check, check. One, two, check. Mic's on. From the world of education to you, my name is Dr. A. Our show is all about finding your voice by connecting our community through collaboration. All right, welcome back to another edition of Mike's On. This is episode 21, and it is Friday, uh, let's see, June, or excuse me, Thursday, June 4th, uh, 2020, and I have a really cool guest here, a good friend of mine, um, someone who I got to meet first as a parent, and then um, as a, uh, a colleague, in a sense, um, in the community, uh, Kevin Glock. Kevin, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. Yeah. Great, good, yeah. good to see you. Good to talk to you. Well, you know, we were just talking right before we came on, and you were saying, "Man, you you don't realize how much you miss just being able to talk to people and see people through the course of all this, right?" That's right. It's uh, we take it for granted, right? And so, um, I kind of want to dive in right away with who you are and and uh, kind of your connection to Selvage. Um, first of all, your connection to Selvage goes way back. Yes, um, I graduated, um, well, back in the day when I was at Selvage, ninth grade went, went, went to, went to um, and so I was uh, in ninth grade at Selvage and then went on to Lafayette, and that would have been uh, 1982. All right. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm getting up there. Yeah, well, so if you were 82 to come out, then was it uh, 80, were you 86? graduate yes i was an 86 graduate of um of lafayette all right so i went to selvage well i went there in 82 graduated in 83 and um you know that that school year um and then i went to st john's uh, in ellisville there through uh through eighth grade and so i was actually only at selvage for one year and went on to lafayette and then uh went a little bit west to mizzou for four years and uh, here I am working for the fire department. Hey, so you went to Lafayette when it was actually the small building, not what we yeah, know Crestview. today. Yeah, it was uh, where uh, Crestview is now. What was that like? Um, you know, it it was great. I enjoyed my school years, um, you know, going to school. I played some sports. Uh, wasn't really that good, but I managed to make a couple teams. And um, I enjoyed it. It's kind of nostalgic when I get to go back into these buildings as a uh, firefighter, paramedic, you know, inspector with uh, Metro West. Um, it's nostalgic to be able to go back into these. And it's amazing the change. I wish um, maybe, of course, we didn't have the technology, but I would have liked to take a video walking through the halls of Selvage in 1983 and Lafayette, you know, back in 1986 and see the changes, you know, that have happened, um, you know, and, you know, it's going to, it's inevitable. It'll change again. Um, they'll have to build another school somewhere, you know, the growing population, but, uh, I love it. I love being part of the community. Um, I, I'm very proud to live here. Um, and it's, for me, it's just more fun to actually work someplace where you grew up and, and it's still kind of small town for me. Yeah, well, that's one thing I've learned about you is that you have always been around Baldwin. I mean, you've always been pretty close to to that area. Yes. You know, yes. and 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 it was fun because uh you and I have gone out to lunch a couple times and it's funny to watch you go and meet people that you haven't seen in a while. 
but you maybe went to school <laughs> with them or that kind right. of stuff. <laughs> yes, I mean, you know everybody, Kevin. <laughs> I know. I, I, I do get some trouble about that from uh, some of my friends at the firehouse because whenever they go on a call or go somewhere, they'll be asked if they know me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they uh, they like to give me trouble about that, you know. But it's fun being involved, you know, and um, that's, um, that's just the way I'm wired. Yeah, so one of the things that I really like um, just kind of hanging out with you, and you and I have gotten to know each other quite a bit over the, the last few years, your boys, um, your oldest, how old is he now? Brendan is 22, and um, he just uh, graduated. Well, the ceremony is supposed to be May uh, 16th from Benedictine College in Kansas. And fortunately, um, you know, being a small uh, Catholic college, they are still going to hold a graduation ceremony and do try to do everything as they normally would have, but it'll be in July. Right. Well, the the... the unfortunate thing about all this is that he didn't get to play his last season of ball right right yeah he uh we we kind of talked about that a little bit he's played baseball now for 18 years and uh you know there's a lot of ups and down and uh you know some of which has helped prepare him for what we're dealing with now and athletics can be a an avenue for people to learn how to deal with adversity and the unexpected um, but yeah, his last season was cut short. Um, you know, I think they played 30 games and, um, you know, he went out on a high note. So I think that made him happy. He had a, a really nice last game with a couple hits and some nice plays in the field. So, uh, it's a good ending for him, but it's too, it was going to be too soon, no matter what. You know, yeah, did, did you, did you get to see that last game? You know, uh, sadly I did not. We weren't expecting it to be right. the last game. And uh, he was playing at Mid-American Nazarene in Kansas. And um, I was fortunate enough to, um, to have met that coach. And I actually called their athletic director. And the coach sent me a full video of that entire game. That's good. Uh, yeah, it's great. So he had a really nice game. And, you know, like I said, it's, you know, nobody, no athlete ever wants it to be the last game. But uh, he's ready for the workforce. Yeah. So what's he, uh, what's he graduating with? Uh, he graduated with a marketing degree and a minor in entrepreneurship and financing. All right. And, you know, like every other college kid, he's out there just, you know, plugging away. He's had some nice leads. And it can be depressing, you know, when you make it maybe to the third or fourth round but don't get the job. And so, uh, you know. Well, and, a, you know, he, he's also battling a, a, a time in which things are so different right now for everybody. Right. You know, so, I mean, that, that plays a huge factor in all of this, which is so difficult because it's not like it was for, for most people coming out of college. I mean, you've got these businesses that really are, are not sure what's going to happen, you know, and so some of them are just staying pat, not hiring, this kind of thing. Um, certainly it is causing us to, to have to do things a little differently, right? Absolutely, you know, and I think it's going to, you know, and I tell him this, I remind him, you know, every so often that uh, he's got to keep knocking on doors, not, uh, you know, if he, I say, if you knock on uh, five doors and one open, you're lucky, but, you know, you knock on 25 doors, uh, one's liable to open, and so you just got to keep, um, you know, keep plugging away, um, and that's with everybody, you know, people even having jobs now to find business, you know, you have to be able to sell something, and how can you sell if you're not able to go meet the people, um, you know, or they're not spending money because some people, I mean, a lot of people have, uh, 
lost their jobs right. or had some reduced. So it's a, it's definitely a, um, a cha- a challenge, but you know, I, I think that his time in baseball and, you know, what he's learned through going to school, um, will hopefully, um, you know, help him to overcome the adversity. Yes. Yeah, so is he, is he there with you guys right now at home, at home with you? Yes, he's he's actually that's why I'm outside on the patio. He's inside, <laughs> he's inside working out, and uh, sounds like a, uh, a disco in there. You know? so, um, he's uh, he's fortunate enough that we've had a lot of stuff over the years, accumulated weights and little you know uh, exercise stations that he's been able to you know continue working out um, at home here. So yeah, that's why I'm outside here, yeah. and our little uh, our dog won't shut up, so he's yeah. locked inside. And then how about Chucky? What's he up to? Well, Chucky's a legend. You know, he, um, <laughs> he, you know, you say that everybody knows me. I think uh, Chucky probably knows, uh, you know, 10 times more people than myself. And he uh, just finished his sophomore year at Missouri State. Um, and, in fact, we went down and moved him into his new apartment, anticipating a normal school year uh, just this past weekend. Um, and, uh, he's going to major also in marketing and, um, he's taking classic, uh, classes, I'm sorry, in supply chain logistics, something like that. Um, and Chucky's, uh, great news. The city of Baldwin, um, is going to open their pool, the outdoor pool. Um, Chucky's the manager over there, um, of the concession stand. And so uh, he's excited. He loves working there. Um, you know, he gets to see the people in the community and, um, you know, we're fortunate that he's going to have a, a summer job that can, you know, maintain. So one of the things about your boys that I, I just have been able to admire over the course of the time that I've known them is um, uh, really just not only how congenial they are um, and how personable they are, but, but really just how kind they are to people. Um, and, and I think... You know, I've never gotten to see them actually play in person, but I know there's a switch there that these kids can turn on and off um, when it comes to a sport or when it comes to, to needing to perform. Your boys have been able to really carry themselves well in life. What is it that you and your wife have been doing to really help them through life? I mean, to, to, do, to just be good people. You, you know, I wish I knew. I, I remind them all the time uh, that uh, they've overcome bad genetics. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and so sometimes I wonder, you know, um, the, the older one definitely is a clone of me. So I know he's mine. And Chucky's got, a, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, similarities. So, uh, you know, they're mine, but I don't, you know, maybe uh, they took all the good genes. I was saving them for them, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, really, I think... Um, you know, there is no cookie cutter um, to parenting. There's no cookie cutter right or wrong to really anything in life. I think everybody's situation is different. Um, you know, we, um, I think in general, I think you just be nice to people. You know, I tried to always tell them, um, even at a younger age, you know, that, um, you know, do you want to make somebody feel bad or can you make their day? Um, you know, and, um, I remember when I was coaching baseball, and I was fortunate enough to be in a firefighter. I was able to have the time to coach the boys in sports. And I do remember one year we had an exercise where every week at practice, the kids had to come and tell me something they did nice for someone else 
that week that they didn't get paid for or anything else that they did it for someone else with no benefit of their own and and I found those sheets a few months ago and it was kind of funny reading through them um, you know but I think sometimes you have to just take the time to remind kids um, you know to do something nice for other people and sometimes you can lead by example um, you know they watch what adults do more than we think yeah so um, get to you for a second. How long have you been working now for the fire department? Uh, full time since 2001. I began in 1997 as a volunteer. And uh, in 2001 um, is when I started full time. So it's, and I'm fortunate a lot of people don't work at the same place for too long. Right. You know? um, and so I, I feel lucky. Yeah. And, and um, within the last year or so, you switched to the position you're in now. How is that I going? I love it. You know, I, I was an inspector um, when I first started with the fire department and went to paramedic school and, and fire academy and all that and was on the ambulance for 13 years. And this last year, um, you know, it's been uh, – I enjoy this position. It wasn't really a choice, you know, of mine. It was kind of an option. Um, I kind of spent too many years telling, uh, you know, people that their uh, spouses had died or, uh, you know, their children had died, uh, seeing stuff that we see. Um, and it just started bothering me, I could tell. And so, uh, you know, the fire department was nice enough to um, allow me to continue working, doing something a little bit different. So what does it entail being an inspector? Uh, well, we do uh, annual inspections of all the businesses in our fire district, um, you know, of any type of business, from an office building to a restaurant to a swimming pool, you know, uh, like the Point, uh, Ellisville's uh, outdoor pool. Um, we'll do, um, you know, public relations activities like you see me in your school quite a bit. And, and I, I represent Selvage and Marquette. Um, I really enjoy getting to go and talk to the to the kids. And by the way, I actually met a, a kid that graduated five years ago, and I saw him at Snooks, and he came up to me and recognized me as talking <laughs> to him at his freshman class. So that'd be nine years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, at his freshman class, and so uh, that's kind of cool. You know, like we talked about being part of the community and and uh, you know people recognizing you. But so we'll do public relations stuff like that. I do uh, investigations if there's a fire of any uh, substance. Um, we'll go investigate just to find a point of origin, more or less, and confirm, you know, where where it started and, and possibly how it started. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty so, much. So, general. what does um, what does the district look like in comparison to others in terms of the calls? Um, are, is it a higher volume of calls? Is it a medium? Is it a low in terms of just um, what you guys have to respond to? Yeah, you know, um, and, and that's a good question. Like, I would say we have five fire stations uh, within our 57-square-mile, you know, area at Metro West. I would say that we are probably a, uh, a little bit above average in terms of um, – call volume i wouldn't you know know the amount of calls that that we run on um you know wouldn't want to say without even right. having this idea um but i could i could imagine it's you know in the in the six thousand or so range of calls and that's both ems fire vehicle accidents um you know 
carbon monoxide. People call us for everything. Right. So, and and you you've explained to me a couple different times some of the calls that you've gotten to go on. Anything you care to share in terms of like, oh my gosh, we had a call for this. <laughs> uh, well, th- this is being aired publicly. Right? <laughs> so, well, did you ever have to rescue a cat out of a tree? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Um, so I was on the ambulance, but this engine house I was at, at house four up there on Clayton road, um, they did probably, uh, three years ago, I think it was that, uh, we got a call to get a cat out of a tree. Um, so, you know, um, what does that look like? I mean, does the cat go pretty crazy on, on the guy trying to get him out of the tree or what? Um, well, actually, I believe, so they got the ladder up there, and uh, the cat took off and ran down out of the tree. <laughs> you know, so I guess it's the old adage, you've never seen a dead cat in a tree, have you? Right. <laughs> you know, so it, it'll come down, maybe just not at the time that the owners want it down. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, hey, so what's the perimeter for Metro? What 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 basically is the, the boundaries for you guys? Um, so our eastern boundary um, would basically be Manchester Road at where um, most people might be able to, you know, recognize the name Johnny Max mm-hmm. uh, when they were right there and where um, the Hobby Lobby used to be. Um, so that would be our... Uh, right at Winchester. Uh-huh. Yeah, right there at the beginning. And we do cover residential areas in Winchester back in there. Okay. But for the most part, that's our boundary on the east. On the south side, um, our boundary is pretty much the um, the Merrimack River, like we cover down in Castlewood there, and then going all the way, follow the Merrimack, basically, um, to 109, and north of there, going out all the way. We cover all the way out to uh, the county line, the St. Louis County line, all the way out 100. So it's a large area. Yeah. You know, 57 square miles. And on the northern border, we go, Marquette is right at our border. Yeah. That curve mill. Um, the northwest corner where Marquette is is uh, Monarch Fire District. And on the other three corners are ours. You have to do many calls down to Castlewood? You know, when I work down there, you would be amazed at how many calls we get on that river and on those bike trails. Um, you know, so um, we get a lot of calls frequently. Um, you know, on the trails, and, and again, you know, and that river is dangerous, and I don't know the total now, but I'll bet you it's around 14 or 15 people that have died probably within a, within maybe a, a 20-foot, you know, square area. Well, and it's got a lot to do with just how fast the river moves right around there, right? Correct, and there's an undertow, like, a, you right. know, down underneath and people you know and sometimes it's you know people get in that river uh, that don't know how to swim and rivers are just too unpredictable um and you get in a river and if you don't know how to swim you can't see the bottom and you know um that's that's where a lot of problems can occur i would not recommend swimming in a in a river yeah a lake a lake is a little different than a river Well, yeah, but it's still, you know, you know, think of uh, Lake of the Ozarks. You know, if you can see the bottom, you know, that's not bad. I still don't recommend being in water if you can't swim. Yeah, you know, I I can't fly, so I'm not going to jump off a building. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so if you can't swim, don't go in water. Um, You know, but but people do. um, You know, and I I spent um, you know some of my best years were down at the Castlewood Station with the 
you know, really good crew I had. And, and we did go on a lot of calls on that trail. I'm not a snake guy. I really yeah. do not like it. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't want to promote violence, but I, I don't like... <laughs> Not a fan, I huh? Like, yeah, I don't like living snakes. And uh, so those my crew down there enjoyed us having to go on those trails. And uh, I could just see the cobras in the woods looking yeah. at us. We were trying to help somebody, you know, so... Um, but, uh, Not no, fun. Yeah, that park keeps you busy down there. Hey, so, um, you know, during this time, have you... Uh, or has Metro had to, to, to do much with um, any of the protesting that has been taking place around town? Um, any any kind of having to preempt or or, or get in on, on situations? Or, or even with COVID, how is it different for you guys with, with dealing with the COVID crisis too? Um, so with regard to, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the protests and stuff, I am not aware... You know, being in the fire marshal's office now, you know, we kind of, I'm busy enough. I don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, keep too much uh, tabs on what's going on, you know, on the other uh, operations side. But um, as far as I know, we haven't really had too much of an active role. Um, you know, we may send some support staff, you know, and in the past, going back to, I believe it was 2014 uh, with the Ferguson um you know, right, right. Situation that uh, we did send support staff up, as I believe every fire department. You know, people. You know, everybody's going to contribute what they can in terms of uh, staffing, uh, vehicles. Um, you know, sometimes you move up. We do that a lot. A lot of people didn't know that in the St. Louis area. We have a mutual aid agreement where uh, if one fire district is getting hammered really bad with ambulance calls or fires we'll move up and help provide some even out the coverage a little bit and they do that for us also so i'm i I would anticipate that we are providing some kind of support role i don't know exactly what that is regarding the the protests um and we also have a um, uh, metro west has what we call our TAC team uh so they're TAC medics that uh, anytime there's kind of any violence or where the police might be at risk, um, some of our personnel that are trained in uh, that tech uh, medic field will go, you know, and respond with the police in case one of them would were to get injured. Um, and regarding the, you know, the, the COVID, so it has changed quite a bit. When we go into uh, people's houses, I wear gloves. Um, it's starting to be, you know, relaxed. Some people, when I go in, they'll want me to wear a mask. Other people, I would say, you know, um, heck, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say 75% of the people um, are not, you know, when I go to their home, they're not wearing masks and they don't care that I do or not, um, you know. But I, I wear the gloves just, you know, for my, my protection and theirs. Um, you know, we go in every morning, we check our vital signs, our, you know, our temperature, um, and just make sure that, uh, you know, underlying that we're not sick with an underlying, as far as you can tell. And I don't know enough about the, the disease to tell you, you know, that you can really know if you have it without a, a blood test. Right. So, um, you know, when you first got into this and decided to become, um, you know, a first responder, Yes. Um, what what really pushed you or compelled you to do so? Um, well, 
to be honest, I was, so I went to Mizzou, got a business degree and, um, I, uh, I sat in a cubicle at Citicorp and other, you know, mortgage companies and stuff. And that does not sound like you. <laughs> no, no. Just so you know, so that's why you kind of know that, you know, I used to get in trouble cause I would go and talk to, uh, <laughs> you know, the other people in the department and I was kind of, I work, I was great at organizing happy hours. <laughs> department morale was, was at an all time high. Uh, when I was there, um, I don't know about productivity, but yeah. the department morale was significant. I mean, uh, it was, yeah, um, uncharted heights, you know. Right. And, and so I got to meet a few people uh, that my dad, uh, you know, some of the guys before me, uh, you know, your Captain Stockers and, uh, and uh, Dick Halls and guys like that that were around our community. And my dad knew them, played ball against them, with them. And, uh, you know, you see the fire trucks and ambulances, but, um, my, my wife, Mary, um, her uncle and even her dad was a volunteer firefighter. Um, but her uncle was the assistant chief with Metro West. And so I got to, uh, you know, go to the engine house and stuff and become a volunteer. And as I was working at the mortgage company, um, you know, and volunteering and, you know, being on the ambulance and the, and the pumper, um, you know, an opportunity came to be in the fire marshal's office and you know again i didn't have to sit in a cubicle um you know so i was all i was all for it, it it's the greatest job you know for me I, I love it and um you know everybody's different i just like a job where i get to feel like i'm helping my community i get to go out and see people um you know and sometimes it was tough you go on calls where uh, you go you have to go tell a friend or a relative that you know their mom has died or their daughter's died or, you know, uh, something like that. So that's kind of the down, you know, that right. would be a downside of being in your community is there's so many times where you go on a call and you just pray as nobody, you know, right. you know, I'll tell you one story I can tell you. I remember, um, it was probably 2000, 2001. And, um, we went on a call where it was a car into a tree in a residential area and when we got there, it ended up being a friend of my grandma's who uh, she had a heart attack and uh, hit the gas pedal mm. and, and uh, you know, was probably dead before she hit the tree. But I just remember I knew every Saturday uh, this lady would pick up my grandma from Gambrel Gardens and they would go to church up at St. John's in Ellisville there. And so uh, I remember um, them getting her purse out of the trunk of her car for whatever reason it was in there, I think with some groceries or something. And, and they got the person, it was, you know, it was her friend, you know, so I had to have my dad go, you know, tell her, but just those kind of things. Yeah. They, it gets to you after a while. Yeah. So, uh, you've mentioned your dad a little bit. Um, did, was your dad a firefighter? No, no. My dad, um, he, he is also a Lafayette graduate. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, 1963. <laughs> uh, he was the first graduating class at Lafayette. Um, so, uh, he's up oh, there, wow. right? That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he graduated with Moses. I tell him, I don't know. Moses. <laughs> <laughs> that whole, that whole gang, Abraham, all them guys, you know, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. So no, my dad worked at, uh, we went in the service. He was in the air force. He went to McDonnell Douglas, what it was at the time. And then Boeing. And I believe he made it, uh, he did not make it to 50 years. He was in his 49th year, close to 50. And, um, you know, I think I've heard him say that uh, they were starting to do some new technology and com 
converting to a an entire new computer software program, and he was not ready to do that in his last you know year. So he waited out as long as he could and, and stepped down. All right, and and is Dad still with us? Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. I uh, was down fishing with him at Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, Two weekends ago, uh, we did not go up to uh, the uh, inevitable, you know, the pool. The, well, the thank you. You, pool, you. you stayed you know, away from uh, backwater jacks. <laughs> yeah, boy, I'm telling you. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, that might have been a fun place to be. But even in my younger days, I don't know that. I just know my buddies and myself, too. I don't know that I'd want to been in that pool, whether there was corona or anything. <laughs> A little too um, soupy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, I'm not too sure about that. So uh, it just doesn't uh, doesn't look too appealing. But we went down and, uh, yeah, my mom and dad are doing great. Uh, they actually live right across from Crestview up there in Ellisville. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're right here in the community also. Um, and then do you, you guys know. have a place down there at the lake you guys go to? Uh, my parents do. Yeah. And so they have a place down there in Camdenton. Um, my mom and dad love to fish a lot, and uh, you know I've kind of learned learned to like it also. Yeah. And uh, you know I'm not any good at it. You know pretty much like everything else. But uh, you, know, so, you know it's funny I I can bowl. You know uh, if I you're, you're a good, good bowler, thing, huh? Yeah. I, well, I, I can do okay, but if I could have been good at anything, it would not have been bowling. I, you know, <laughs> I'd always like to have been good at baseball, football, soccer, but yeah. basketball. Yeah, no, I didn't make it in none of those. But bowling, that's it. You know. Hey, so you did coach your boys though uh, through baseball, huh? Yeah, baseball and, and, and basketball. So, uh, with baseball, the the thing that you really liked coaching or basketball? Um. Well. I, I enjoyed, you know, obviously just being around my kids. Yeah. And uh, we met some amazing families and kids. And, you know, I coached for 20 years, uh, 20 teams. And, um, you know, I wish I knew my first year what I knew my 20th team, you know. And some guys just aren't lucky enough to last that long, you know, because I made a lot of mistakes, you know. And so you learn from them. And, uh, you know, and if you don't learn from them, that's usually why you don't last that long. Um, but I think people knew that my, you know, my intentions were always good. And if anything, my expectations were too high. And I would, I tell my kids that I would always rather that be don't, I tell my kids, be aware of the person that allows you to lower your expectations. Right. Um, you know, and so I think, um, and with athletics, I use that along with, you know, the other kids that I coach to try to um, instill, you know, not to be afraid of high expectations. And um, we tried, you know, I was pretty strict. And, um, you know, if kids had to wear a certain uniform to practice and if they didn't, I mean, I was not a yeller, but, you know, kids ran, yeah. um, you know. And but uh, I think one time in all those years, only one time did a boy forget to wear his belt. And it wasn't because I wanted to punish them. I just wanted them to understand that, you know, in a mild way, responsibility and consequences and preparation, you know. And so don't wait until you're on the way to the vehicle to, you know, find all, all your, your stuff clothes. together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and so I, I hope uh, the family and, and I had I had great parents that would they supported me with what we were trying to do, you know, we made the kids, they, they would have to do at a younger age, they had to do a checklist where they had to tell me they made their bed. To, yeah, they nice. had the parents that, you know, just little <laughs> things that I, you know, little stuff that we wanted to make sure that 
that they were doing, but you know, we, I felt like we had pretty high expectations, not necessarily result based, but effort based. Yeah. And so did you start coaching when they were little like T-ball? Yep. Four years old. Yeah. Those are some fun times, right? Like herding cats. Yeah, you know what though, but I will tell you if you start it up, you know, as a coach, you got to get a hold of it right away. And if you let the kids know the expectations, our boys knew that um, only two people were to have a bat in their hands when they were in the dugout. They were going to either stand against the fence or sit down. It wasn't. It was not a jungle gym. It was not a zoo. Um, you were gonna, you know, there was a way to act. And and if they wanted to do something different, they could do that at another time. But you know, there's a certain way. I don't know. Maybe that's the way I was you know, brought up and raised playing baseball. There's just certain things and, and, um, you know, but if you catch them at, you'd be surprised at four years old, um, how you can get kids to uh, comply and, and kids will meet the expectations you set for them. Yep. And so, uh, did you have somebody growing up that was like a mentor coach for you? Somebody that, uh, you kind of modeled your coaching after? Um, you know, I, I was, um, I was fortunate enough. Um, so we had, uh, back at Lafayette, I had some great coaches, you know, that I really liked. Um, and, uh, we had a coach that you may even know his name. So, uh, coach Ryan, Rusty Ryan, uh, was his name and he was our uh, soccer coach at Lafayette. And, um, and then also as, um, as the JV coach, we had coach Campos. And I know some people that are listening to this, those names, you know, are strong in the Lafayette, you know, family, and those guys, um, you know what, though? I mean, there were times when when I did not like those guys, you know, Coach Ryan and Coach, you know, Campos. And, uh, but you know what I love about it is that they never lowered their expectations to make me happy. They didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. They told me what I needed to hear to be better. And so if you want to be better at anything, I think you need to allow yourself to hear something that you don't want to hear. And if you just want to be, you know, complacent and just, you know, limit yourself to whoever's going to say, yeah, you're doing great and this is acceptable, I think that's a dangerous place to be, you know, for someone that wants to succeed. But Coach Ryan, um, Coach Campos, I was fortunate enough that, you know, my son Brendan, like I mentioned earlier, you know, that they both overcome bad genetics. Um, he was good <laughs> enough to, uh, yeah, he was good enough in baseball to play uh, for Mike Matheny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that, that guy is, is first class, um, you know, and just uh, and, and think of this. So my son was playing and getting instruction from Mike Matheny, his pitching coach, who is now a friend of ours and a great guy, Jason Simon Tachi, yeah, uh, working yeah. with the Royals now. And these guys are still in the St. Louis community. I think that's something that's changed a lot in the last 20, 25 years is these these outstanding athletes are also becoming good role models and they're staying here in St. Louis. Yeah. And so our kids are learning from guys that have been there. And if you want to go where they've been, you need to hear from somebody that knows what it takes. And we're lucky uh, John Mabry, that was Brendan's hitting coach. So think about that. And then, you know, and then uh, the card well, the Cardinals screwed it up for me. I had a master plan. The Cardinals screwed it up, and La Russa retired, and, and uh, you know, they call Matheny down in the Dominican while we're down there playing ball and, and tell him he's the new manager. Now what am I to do, right? <laughs> you know? You couldn't so. just step in, huh? No, no. That, <laughs> you know, Matheny wrote that manifesto, 
Yeah. You know, and so like, that's a great I, book. I mean, that, that really, that, that, I mean, I've read that and, and for me, it was huge to be able to read that. I mean, our son is, our, our, our one son really likes playing baseball. He's 14. To, yeah. I always try to, to listen to what that book had to say in terms of how to carry yourself, not only as a parent, but just as a role model to your other kids that are there and that kind of thing. It is. It's, unfortunately, by the time I got to reading that book and met Mike, I had already made all the mistakes that yeah. you uh, read. In book, you know, so I, so actually, it's like when I read the manifesto, it, it, it should actually start burning, you know, in my hand. Um, you know, but I, like I said, you know, my, my intentions were, were always good. And, um, you know, I, I tried to seek out, you know, guys like Mike. And he, he is so helpful, you know, in things that, um, you know, one thing that I learned from him, I remember him asking Brendan when Brendan went to his team, he said, Brendan, what, what do you want from baseball? You know, how long do you want to play? And Brendan basically told him, you know, I, I would love to play pro ball, you know, knowing that it's not realistic. And basically that's how Mike coached him. And he had the ability to coach each of the kids based on what they wanted to achieve out of baseball at that age, you know, and that that's a great trait to have. And, and I learned after that, that not every kid wants to be really good at baseball. I always wanted to be, it never was, but I wanted to be, and, and not all kids are, are wired that way. Right. Well, Listen, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Before we go, though, do you have any shout-outs that you want to give? Anybody you want to say hey to on here? Oh, you know, there's so many. Can you imagine? So uh, if anybody listening, and I don't mention anybody's name, they're going to be over me. Yeah, what's up, Block? I'm not good enough to crack the list. So, you know, I'd like to uh, just tell everybody, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, stay safe out there. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, you know, um, earlier, you got me kind of thinking about when we were talking about the fire service. I think, you know, if people have a lot on their minds now, you know, and sometimes you forget that the person in the car next to you or, you know, the person in front of you or behind you on the street, you know, and I see a lot of stuff on the road, you know, people um, maybe just losing focus because they're stressed out. They're, you know, running red lights. They're, you know, they're um, making left turns when there's a car coming and stuff. And so I just, you know, I hope people just take this time to try to refocus and, you know, be, have a little bit of compassion and patience out there because a lot of people, you know, may be going through, uh, you know, a little bit worse situation than you're having to deal with, you know, through all this, um, you know. But for the shout-outs, uh just uh all my buddies out there hey this is uh the glockster hopefully we get together soon here i got a famous uh, tiki bar on my patio that i'm sitting at while i'm talking to you and, and it's so, just uh, you it's, it's just me it's, it's it's terrible the neighbors think i'm crazy i'm out here talking to myself but, yeah. you know so uh, yeah so they'll probably be calls for that uh, you know, coming through but uh no listen no uh, dr a um I I, uh, I really enjoy um, our friendship. I, I look forward to going to Selvage and seeing all those smiling faces, Mrs. Ostry and and um, you know the rest of your gang and Sandy. A lot of excellent teachers I've met through the years there and Marquette, and I miss those. You know, you take it for granted, and I can't imagine how you feel. Um, you know, and so uh, I do want to thank you for this opportunity and. Um, you know, everybody stay safe. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, being a part of this little project. So I'll talk to you soon, okay, sir? 
Let's talk soon, and um, as they say, mics off. Join us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow together.